Dear Father, thank you that you've given us your word to show us the amazing things you've done for us. Please help us grasp the impact of that now and change our hearts and lives as we stand in awe of what Jesus has done. Amen. I recently uh, read about Mohan on the Open Doors website. Um, Mohan lived in India, in a rural village there. Uh, And one night, his house was stormed by village elders. He was beaten, his house was destroyed, and he was thrown out of his village. He lost everything. Why? Well, a year previously, he had committed his life to Jesus. There was a change in his life, and the village did not like it. His faith had caused division. In the end, it it cut him off from his community, his physical security, and and even his livelihood. But throughout all this, where was Mohan's loyalty? Where was his priority? Well, it was in his relationship with Jesus. Now, this is a world away from uh, comfortable living, sun-shining, lovely, leafy Hampstead. But our passage today that we're going to look at um, poses the same difficult question for us. Where does our loyalty lie? And what takes priority in our lives? From the passage, we'll see that Jesus causes division because he demands absolute loyalty from his disciples. And as fellow followers of Christ, he demands that loyalty from us as well. Although it is an immense challenge, loyalty to Jesus also brings reward. So before we uh, look at the passage more closely, let's remind ourselves of where we are in Matthew's Gospel. And as Tom's already mentioned, this is our our final talk in a series looking at Jesus' authority. And we've seen right from the start of Matthew 8 that Jesus demonstrates his authority in amazing ways. So over sickness, he, he heals many Over nature, he calms a storm. Over evil, he casts out demons. He has authority to forgive sins. He even has authority over death itself. Jesus has demonstrated all this authority in chapters 8 and 9. And in chapter 10, that we're going to look at now, he's now giving his disciples this authority. We heard a couple of weeks ago, um, if you hear, that Jesus provides for his disciples and then sends them out. Then last week we heard that that commission, that sending out, comes with a warning. These disciples are going to face opposition. If you just look at, um, in chapter 10, verse 22, all men will hate you because of me. So ultimately, uh, we, like the disciples, must keep clinging to Christ in persecution. And, And actually we see in chapter 11 onwards, so after the passage we look at tonight, We start to see those mixed responses. We start to see that opposition. We start to see the division Jesus causes. So it's a pretty stark backdrop to what we're going to look at now. And and in this passage, we see similar themes from what we've seen in earlier parts of chapter 10. But it's taken further for us um, this evening. So, So we're going to look at the challenge of loyalty to Jesus and then the reward of loyalty to Jesus. There are two points Um, So our first point, the the challenge of loyalty to Jesus and the division it causes. Jesus does not hide the reality of being a disciple. He doesn't try and sugarcoat it in any way. He he does not pretend a disciple's life 
is all comfort. It will bring opposition, but loyalty to him will also cause division. In verse 34, Jesus says something quite surprising. Um, Look down with me, if you will, at verse 34, at the bottom of page 975. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You may be thinking, hang on a sec, this this isn't right, surely? Jesus is meant to be a peace keeper, right? In chapter 5, verse 9, he, in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, the phrase here isn't to be taken literally. We know this from elsewhere in the gospel, but the sword is a metaphor here to represent what a sword does. It cuts, it divides. It's a metaphor for conflict or division. So, how does Jesus cause division? Well, Jesus focuses on family relationships as an example of division in the passage we're looking at now. So he quotes from Micah. He quotes, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. (laughs) This is pretty shocking. In that time, family relationships were the core of your social status, your identity, if you like. They were your closest relationships. They were your social unit. They were your financial security, your level of social class. They dictate who you hang out with. They dictate your future, who you work with, who you marry. In verse 37, Jesus takes it further. He spells it out explicitly. Look down with me at verse 37. It says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It is a question of priority for his disciples. It is a bold statement. Jesus must come first. We must not love anything else above him. We must be loyal to him over even our closest family relationships. This was radical, and it still is radical. Just to be clear, let's, let's be clear. Jesus is not saying, hate your family. He's not saying, hate your family. We know that to be untrue. And you can look at Matthew chapter 15 and, and Matthew 19 to see how Jesus values family. But like earlier in chapter 10, where Jesus warns of opposition from religious leaders, from civic authorities, the family can also be a point of opposition. Family relationships will be strained. But the the priority must be Jesus. Why? Because it will be worth it in the end. So division manifests itself in lots of ways. A good friend of mine is the only Christian in his family. Uh, There are numerous times where points of conflict and division arise because he chooses to love Jesus above his family. This impacts how he spends his time, money, and resources. On, On some Sundays, it can mean that he is physically divided from his family because ultimately he wants to spend time with his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. His loyalty is firmly with Christ over his family, but it is not easy. 
And that is an example, but it, it demonstrates the truth of what Jesus is saying here in these verses. He will cause div- division. Now, we could stop there and say, well, well, Jesus can cause strained family relationships, so we should not be surprised by it. And that may well be true for some of us here. We may have strained family relationships. But that's not all Jesus is saying in this passage. We know from elsewhere in the Bible and from our own lives, a divided family is not necessarily a universal experience for every Christian. But Jesus does take it further in the next verses. Loyalty to him will cause division and conflict in all areas of our life, not just family. Because he demands loyalty over everything in this world, even to the point of death. And that takes us to our next point. Loyalty to Jesus comes with an extraordinary command. Loyalty to Jesus comes with an extraordinary command. Jesus uses family as an apt illustration for his audience, i.e. the disciples in this case, as family was often the priority at that time. It was often number one for lots of people. So, however, as we read on in our passage, Jesus expands the demand for loyalty beyond family to our whole lives. Look at verse 38 uh, with me now. So, continuing on, he says, And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This is the first time the cross is mentioned in Matthew's Gospel. It's very easy to glance over it and and not let it sink in. The cross was a brutal form of execution that the disciples would have been well aware of. The disciples would know that the, the cross would bring shame on the criminal and those around them, including their family, for instance. So this statement would be a shock. It should shock us today as well. Jesus is effectively saying here that take his cross and follow me is the reality not only for Jesus, but for his followers as well. It's an extraordinary command to take up one's cross, is to deny yourself all your wants and needs and entrust them to Jesus. But on top of that, Jesus then lays out the realities of following and being loyal to to Jesus or not. So, verse 39, let's read on. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We're faced with the realities of following Christ or not, we're faced here, like the disciples, with two options. So let's consider them for a moment. The first option in that verse, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Well, I was trying to grapple with what does that actually mean? What does it mean to, to find their life and lose it? Well, well, maybe it's a little bit like this. And I often use... Um, visual illustrations, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, bear with me, but hopefully you can uh, get the point. So maybe you go to church. If it's well with your morals, gives you a bit of structure for the week, and you feel good on a Sunday. 
you have church. Then maybe you've got a lovely home. It's a great home. It's a place of security for you. And maybe you have a successful career. You've got a job that's secure and a nice salary that enables you to live comfortably in North London. And then finally, you have an incredible family. Your first love. They are what you work for. Maybe that's what you build a home for. They're what the ones that you value over anything else in this world. Overall, life is sorted. Life is good. But where does it lead? Well, verse 39 says, whoever finds their life will lose it. It leads to a life that is lost. Now, don't get me wrong. These are all good things. These are all good things. But at its heart is an issue of priorities, of loyalty. Now, let's consider option two, which is in the second half of that same verse, verse 39. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus is saying, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. With Jesus, we find life by losing ours. Now, again, just to clarify, we we know this does not necessarily mean literally, because not every single Christian is martyred. Some are, and we heard about that last week, didn't we? That some, even now, face persecution, and, and brutal persecution at that, across the world. But for us, what, what might taking up our cross and losing our lives for Christ's sake look like? What might it look like? Well, compared to the first option, maybe you have um, a good group of friends. You, you love your friends. Um, and maybe you, every now and then you do try and tell them about Jesus. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you do succeed. And maybe you also have a, a great job. And a good career. But actually the priority with that job is to glorify God with the work that you do. And perhaps as well you, you have a wonderful family. Great relationships. You know the family are not perfect. But they're not your first priority. Because ultimately your first priority is Jesus. You're loyal to Jesus overall. He is over every other priority in your life. You have to make sacrifices because of it. You have to deny yourself in a few of these areas, and it's not easy. It may cause division among your friends. It may mean you're overlooked for a promotion or a new job. It may mean that your family think you're odd, and they're hurt because you prioritise Jesus over them. It may mean strained relationships. But Jesus is your number one priority. He is your first love. Now, these are just um, examples that I've used that can compete for loyalty. You you can replace them with other things in your life. It could be popularity. It could be relationships. It could be money, whatever it is. Have we grasped the extraordinary command that Jesus is giving here? That Jesus wants us to lose our lives for his sake to find life. Has this command sunk into every corner 
of our lives? Are we prepared to pledge our allegiance, our loyalty to Jesus in every corner of every box of our lives? Now, if you're like me, and I'm sure the disciples at the time, you may think Jesus is extraordinary command and think, well, yes, it's, I want Jesus as my first love. I want him as my number one priority. But I cannot and do not live up to that. So often we're still loyal to other things in our lives. Like the disciples, we'll be thinking, this is a pretty daunting command. I repeatedly fail to take up my cross, lose my life for Jesus' sake. Well, with this passage, Jesus gives us an extraordinary encouragement and ultimately an extraordinary example. Let's take a step back again. So, so Matthew purposefully includes Jesus' quotes from the Old Testament for good reason. He wants to show his readers that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. And in this passage, it's actually no different. Did, did you notice, and we had it read earlier, Jesus quotes from Micah 7. In that day, when Jesus was teaching his disciples... It was understood that Micah 7 refers to a time of great social disruption. It was a time where the Messiah has come. It is significant because by quoting it, Jesus is saying, the Messiah is here and I am the Messiah. As we've seen throughout the series, Jesus again is referring to or referencing his authority. He is the Messiah who has come with authority, who causes division. Not only does Jesus allude to being the Messiah here, he backs it up as well. He backs it up. In verse 38 38 and 39, he commands his disciples and he's alluding to someone who truly denied himself, took up his cross and lost his life for his first love. It is, of course, himself. Jesus denied himself, took up his cross, and lost his life for his first love. And that was for us. So we could have life. What amazing truth that is. We should be totally overwhelmed by that truth. It is joyous. It is wonderful. Because where we so regularly fail to take up our cross and have Jesus as our first love, to be loyal to him, he did not fail. He did take up his cross. He did die in our place so that we may have life and life to the full. So when we're feeling like other things are taking priority in our lives, when we're having our loyalty to Jesus is waning, or maybe our loyalty is causing division all around us, we must look to him. We may fail, but but look at what he has done and praise him for it. He has given us an extraordinary example. And this is an extraordinary encouragement. So look to Jesus to be loyal to him. And now, much more briefly, let's look at the reward of loyalty to Jesus. Our second point. And in verses 40 to 42, we see that those that welcome Jesus' followers will be rewarded. And just to be clear, these verses don't just wrap up the passage we've been looking at this evening. They actually wrap up the whole chapter as a whole. So um, it can be a little bit confusing on first read, so let's break it down. 
Verse 40 says, anyone who welcomes you or anyone who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. There's a clear chain of authority and association here. The disciples are bound up in Jesus, who is bound up with his father. And so by association, those that welcome the disciples are welcoming Jesus and ultimately God the Father. Jesus refers to a few sets of people here. Um, You have the prophets, you've got the righteous person and the little ones. I believe these are, are referencing the disciples that he's sending out at the start of chapter 10. Then you have those that welcome them. And both the disciples and those that receive the disciples are to receive a reward. And we're not told here what this reward would look like necessarily. We know from elsewhere in the Bible that a prophet or righteous person's reward is not necessarily an easy or comfortable life. What we do know is reward here points to life. That life is both now and forever in a relationship with Jesus. Also, for the, for the disciples, the welcoming is, is a contrast to the persecution Jesus is predicting earlier in chapter 10. Here we see that the disciples are bound up in Christ, not only in persecution, but in reward as well. Not only that, but those who welcome the disciples are given the same reward by association. It's the flip side of the same coin, if you like. On the one side, loyalty to Jesus brings persecution, opposition and division. And on the other, loyalty to Jesus will bring reward. Donald Trump uh, recently caused the stir by insulting a British ambassador. Now, this could technically have been seen as an insult to the Queen, as the ambassador is in the USA representing her interests. Some could have taken it further by saying Trump was not welcoming or receiving of the Queen because of his treatment of the ambassador. Well, here we see the disciples are ambassadors of Christ, so those that welcome his ambassadors receive the same honour and reward as they do. And what great news that is. What great news that is. But, so let's take it to here at St. John's Down Hill. Are we encouraged by that? Are we welcoming our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we receive them as Christ's ambassadors? At the end of the service, do we just walk straight out? Do we ever talk to someone new that we haven't met before? Do we ever have people over to our homes, welcoming welcoming them in? Let's be encouraged to do that. Because as we do that, we will share in the same reward. Because in that, we will have life. So as we finish looking at this passage and this series, we've seen Jesus has demonstrated incredible authority. And this authority forces us to question where our loyalty lies. Our loyalty to him will cause division. It is a challenge. And if if you're here and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, then, then may I encourage you to investigate why Jesus is worth being loyal to. Why he should be above 
all other things in our lives. Why he should be above even our closest relationships. And even if that causes division. I'm sure Tom or I would be happy to talk to you about that after the service. So have we grasped the fact that loyalty to Jesus impacts our whole life? Have we grasped that truth? What takes priority over Jesus in your life? Is it your family? Is it your work? Is it your relationships? Is Jesus just a bolt-on, or the icing on the cake, if you like, to a comfortable life in North London? Or is he at the centre of all you do? That may cause division, but do we look to him as an example and encouragement we need to be obedient to his commands, to take up our cross and lose our lives for his sake so that we will find life, find reward. And that reward is life to the full both now and for eternity. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for Jesus' great encouragement that he did take up his cross for our sake so that we may have life. Help us to be loyal to him even if that means division in other areas of our lives. We pray that we would not lose sight of what he has done as an encouragement to us to live a life loyal to him. In his name we pray. Amen.